As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? Welcome into the dramatic conclusion of your Hear That Podcast Growlin' Draft Coverage, presented by Visa, a network working for everyone, and we are working for you late into Saturday. It's not 1 a.m. though, Jay. No. And we are one podcast and a few more paragraphs away from the best damn beer of the year. It's almost here with the draft finally complete can almost taste it. I thought you were going to say we were one podcast away from our 2023 mock draft. Oh, <laughs> you're just going to try, try to put me into a bad place before what's going to be a fun podcast. I'm excited about this. It's we're going to we're going to wrap up this draft. We're we're going to have some major takeaways. But we we spent the last 72 hours basically living down here at Paul Brown Stadium, talking to coaches, talking to players. Hanging out around, challenging James Rapine to run a hundred yards in under sixteen and a half seconds on the field, which has not been done yet. I, I would want to make this happen, but we're just we're down here for a long time, killing time, and a lot of fun stuff happens. So we, I have a, I've got, I've got six clips of con, of conversations uh, that with with different people that were either interesting, fun. Unique, funny, Frank Pollock talking about what it means to have shit on your neck. And, in your neck. Oh, in your neck. In your neck. Yeah, yeah, in your neck. We're not really sure where <laughs> the shit comes from or why it's there, but we'll give Frank Pollock a chance to answer that for you. We're going to bring you some of those clips and talk a little bit about uh, some of the takeaways from some of them. Some funny, some real serious. But first, before we get to all of that, Let's talk about this Bengals draft. It wrapped up on Saturday with only three picks coming off the board, which because it included uh, a trade up. And so they ended up in the fourth round going with Cordell Volson, a guard out of North Dakota State that uh, kind of followed in line with Zachary Carter that Dane Brugler had as a six-round projection. People, you know, maybe it was a reach. We'll talk about him. They In the fifth round, they took Tyson Anderson, a safety from Toledo, which was the opposite. It would have made much more sense on the big boards that you follow maybe if those picks were swapped. But either way, they take a safety there in round five. And then they go defense again with their final pick in round seven because they traded up for Anderson and ditched one of their seventh round picks for that, which was two and nine overall. They close it out right towards the end of the draft, taking Edge Jeffrey Gunter from Coastal Carolina. So you end up with a six pick class, the smallest Bengals class since 2002, and one that only included one offensive player and nobody that touches the ball. Uh, you end up with 
you know, all of this defense, we thought it would be defense, Jay. You know, we said defense, defense, defense seemed likely in the beginning and it felt like mm. today would be the day for the offense to come back. Well, they did it first and then Brian Callahan and the offensive staff disappeared again, uh, because this was all about Lou Anarumo and building the depth, uh, of, of that defensive side of the ball, right? Yeah, I mean, if they don't make those two trade-ups, which is another rare move, they've, since the Kajana-Carter trade-up in 1995, they'd only traded up four times. They do it twice in this draft. If they don't do that, it's an eight-person class, and I, I think it looks like five defense, three offense. It looks a little more balanced, but they, they did. They gave up the two picks. Um, they, they came in to this draft with a, a clear mission to target defense early. I think it just kind of played out that way. That it, I don't think that was the intent, is it was going to be all defense except for an offensive line. And it's just the way it, it fell to them. They could have gone either way in that in that seventh round. But it's it's notable. I mean, one offensive player, I, I, I was kind of surprised uh, I, when that was brought up to Zach in the, in the post-draft press conference that the only offensive guy they drafted, or the only guy they... They didn't draft anybody that touches the ball. And I, I would counter that that Dax Hill and Cameron Taylor Britt are probably going to touch the ball at some point. You would hope so. You would hope they're they're knocking down passes. But yes, as far as skill position players, none. That has never happened in a Bengals draft. One offensive player never happened in a Bengals draft. Again, six person class, very small. But this was this was a Bengals draft defined by defense and aggression seeing who they wanting going up and getting them and even in the case of of carter and volson not necessarily going up to get them but guys they wanted and they didn't care where they were ranked on the board they liked them they got them there's some question marks about both those picks, but we'll see how that plays out. Let's go through a few of, uh, you know, some, some standard draft tropes. And, okay. uh, that would be, let's, start, main takeaway. I think we kind of hit this, but I have one in addition to what you're talking about. Again, the character, yes. the culture, the intangible stuff carries the day. Like the, you just saw so many times where they certainly, this is not about them not drafting athletes. In fact, you know, they have a ton of guys with great relative athletic scores. They have three DBs with 40 times under four, four. They, uh, I think the next gen stats had them as the fifth most athletic class overall by average. And so it's, it's it wasn't a matter of not taking athletes. It was just the common thread of so many of these picks was football IQ, intelligence, versatility, on the field and off of it, captains, leaders, um, guys that have a presence to them and charisma that, and that have this culture. I mean that – and then getting into the attitude thing, which we'll touch on when we get – when we talk about Frank Pollock and their pick. I mean there's just a type of player. They just – they saw it work. They believe in it. They saw it work last year and they're going to continue to invest in it. And I'm not saying that that stuff, you know – broke ties but i think it vaulted people by grade substantially and you could see mm -hmm. that reflected in the fact that the guys they coveted had that as a primary selling point um you know you're you're just seeing that over and over and over for years now i always you know there's a few lines that i love to use and it's 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 like in the world of politics it's don't tell me about your platform, show me your budget. You can talk about character all you want. You can talk about that stuff all you want. The great part of the draft is you are exposed for who you really are, who you trust, who you, what traits you cherish, what really matters to you. You are exposed to that when it, when, when, when it comes to draft. And they kind of proved it, uh, here that, they are doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on that stuff being what they believe makes them go organizationally. And I think that's an important note because that, that was the discussion. Okay, now you've built that culture. It's in place. You went to the Super Bowl. Now maybe you can take some flyers on some guys. Now maybe you can take – they said no. It, it's just like stacking talent, stacking character. You, you have to – you know that churn is always going to happen. You're Von Bell, Jesse Bates, both those guys are in contract years. Two of your best leaders on defense, maybe 
won't be here next year. Probably won't be here next year. You, you need to keep, you need to keep filling the talent bucket over and over again. And you need to keep bringing in these quality guys. As great as your culture is, if you bring in a couple guys that don't have that, it, it can, it can turn in a hurry. So I, I do, I thought that was important where they, they, they were afforded the opportunity maybe to kind of step outside and they didn't do it. They stayed committed to what they believe in. And there's a lot of talk about this team maybe catching lightning in a bottle last year, one hit wonder and all that. And that this is kind of their way of saying, no, what we built, we're going to continue to build and, and we're here for the long time, for the long haul. Yeah. Um, favorite pick. Uh, I, I gotta say, I, we had to answer this and I am, I had a different answer than I'm going to say here. Cause I have the answer that I wanted to say and the answer that I gave my favorite pick is Tyson Anderson. I, I love that pick in the fifth round. Ten years ago in the fifth round, they took George Iloka, mm-hmm. uh, and that turned into a starting safety for them for a long time. And, you know, you, you hear from Tyson Anderson, you hear about Tyson Anderson, and Dane loved him, mm-hmm. uh, had him as, I think, the ninth overall safety to get that in the fifth round, had him above Alante Taylor, who's a guy who went way earlier, um, and special teams. He has ace potential. Oh, yeah. Maven expectation, stalwart floor. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> when it comes to potential, he 900 plus special team snaps. A guy who's got four, three, six speed. He can play safety. He's got the versatility. He's played all over the place, down in nickel, corner, whatever. You know, he, he brings you speed. He's a three time captain, as he'll tell you. We'll bring mm-hmm. him later. And it, so he's got all the leadership, all the charisma. All the speed, all the, all the intangible stuff that you want. He, you know, to have that in the fifth round, he, he may not play a lick. I mean, he, he may not be very yeah. good. I, I don't know that, but, you know, to kind of pinpoint, it just seems like the boxes they were so focused on checking all week. And then also to come up in the fifth round to get him to pinpoint yeah. it. I, I like the aggression there. You know, you talked about them going from eight picks to six and them trading up and how that changed the class. There's a recognition in that. There's a recognition that this roster does not need a lot of players. It needs a few of the right players. And that means we, eight guys aren't going to make this team from this class. There's just not enough spots. They The roster's too loaded at this point. They have too many guys that they love that are already here that aren't going anywhere that helped them get to the Super Bowl. So you can sacrifice some of those when you see the absolute right guy that you want to make sure that you get. That goes for Cam Taylor-Britt, who they made sure they went up for, and Tyson Anderson, who they made, who they went up for. And I, I really like that Anderson pick for value and exactly the type of person that you want to see enter the building for, for that late in a draft. Yeah, I, I do too because I, I talked to his defensive coordinator at Toledo and I thought it was really interesting. He, he is a five-year star on a small team that hasn't sent a defensive player to the NFL since 1998, and it's pretty clear he's going to end up. They asked him to switch positions last year. Yeah, sure, whatever you want. He goes from a safety to a nickel corner. Still playing all those special team snaps as the star of the team. That's what we're talking about with, with the character, with, with the makeup of these guys, with the guys that just love ball. That, yeah, I'll play special teams, another chance to be on the field. And he's not, he's not out there as a, a gunner running down, making the splash plays and the tackles. He's inside. He's doing the grunt work on special teams. You just, you have to love that. Um, I, I, lo- I do. I love that pick. For me, my favorite is still Dax Hill. I just think, it's, it's going to be so fun to watch what they do with him. It's so unpredictable. I mean, how many times does a team draft a guy in the first round and say, I don't know what we're going to do with him? I mean, it's just, it's, it's wide open. They, they, they don't have a plan for him, and that's the exciting part of it. They're going to figure it out as they go. He's going to be on the field a lot. He, he may, there could be an injury. He could work into a starting role. Who, who knows what's going to happen, how often he's going to play. He is going to play. And, he was number 20 on the big board. They get him at 31, just value, character, potential, uh, the fun factor again with where they can put him everywhere. That's, that's my favorite pick. And maybe it's a little biased because he's the only one that actually came into town and we got to meet in person. But I, I don't think that's influencing me that much. I just, I really do 
like that pick. I, I like it for the embracing of, of modern football yeah. and the fact that, you know, we, we talked about it last year. The Bengals were against the grain. I mean, we, we were sitting here in the run up to the Chase Sewell thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm on talking with Robert Mays on our NFL athletic show and we're, and it's really deep philosophical discussions about the future direction of the NFL and how their pick was kind of a microcosm of how maybe that's changing. A year later, that decision about the future direction of football put the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And what did you see? The reaction? I thought that stood out in this draft and this offseason. Mm-hmm. Receivers. Got to have all these receivers. Big money receivers. Draft them. Overdraft them. Run on receivers. All of that stuff is just a direct reaction to modern day football. And the Bengals react to that with their next reaction yeah. to that. Keep teams off balance. Give me more playmakers and speed people that I can put in the secondary that can do different things. So quarterbacks that are so smart, so able to dissect coverages and know what you're doing and know tendencies can't do that with you because you have three safeties and, and one of them's Dax Hill who he could be any position out there for you. Right. Or, you know, you've got Britt who's played safety and they, but, and he plays zone, zone off or press man and can do it all. And you've got Jesse who can, who does both. Von Belda. I mean, you've got so much of that. They focused on making sure they got a hybrid defensive lineman who can play, you know, five eye, three technique, whatever. Like they, they so focus on that and that's their reaction. It's focusing on what is the next level for modern day football. And that is keeping having smart players that can execute that mm-hmm. and then having the ability to constantly keep these intelligent passing games off balance by not knowing exactly what they're looking at all the time. Players like Hill, players like Britt getting versatile guys on the inside are all a really big part of that. And I love, I love that. I mean, we're sitting here talking about the Bengals setting the pace <laughs> for modern day football, but really they, they, I'm not saying that they're trailblazers here, but they're certainly doing stuff. I think that, that feels like it has very much a view to the direction the game is going and less looking back at where it maybe recently was. Yeah. I mean, they're not the only one, but they are on the front edge. I mean, elite talent, Cutting edge, cutting edge philosophy, Cincinnati Bengals. Did you ever think you would hear that in your lifetime? Yeah, I, I, I did not. Um, I also didn't think I'd see him in the Super Bowl, so here we are. <laughs> All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's go least favorite pick. Um, I, do you have one off the top of the head? Yeah, it's Carter. Yeah. I just I, I think they could have got either a different player there, a different a true th- three technique. Yeah, they love versatility, but you really do need a guy that you are positive can be that three technique, and maybe he can be. Most of his snaps were spent on the outside. Most of his production sack-wise, according to Lou Anarum, I didn't go watch all of his snaps, but he said most of his sacks came inside. So we'll see how that works out. But I feel like they could have either got someone else there or they could have waited and got Carter in the fourth round, maybe even the fifth. Um, it, it just it, it felt like a reach. I, I, I think you could say that about Volson too, but that was that felt like a given. They were going to take an interior offensive lineman in the fourth round, and and maybe he's not the one that we pegged or the one that Dane Brugler pegged or any big board pegged, but they liked him, so I'm, I'm going to trust him on that. But the the Carter one just, 
I don't know. I just, that one feels like a reach to me. Maybe it works out, but that's, I'm not saying it's a terrible pick, but it's my least favorite of the six. Listen to Jay here, giving the benefit of the doubt on offensive line <laughs> drafting and not giving them the benefit of the doubt on defensive line drafting when all history suggests it should be the opposite. Uh, you know, I, I I understand where they're coming from with Volson. They view it, it's really going to be fascinating competition between Carmen and Volson because you're going to have Carmen traits, traitsy, non motivated guy, right? Mm. Versus not so athletically gifted, but absolutely everything, every snap, hard grinding dude. And it's kind of like those two worlds. And I, I think you ask them. I just feel like it's not coincidence that a year after they had to deal with that, that they went the other direction. It felt like, sure, they could have found guys that had a little bit more athleticism. They could have found guys that uh, had a little bit more of the stuff that Carmen has, the size, speed, whatever. They wanted the guy that is going to work harder than everybody else and do it the right way. And let me tell you where I know this dude's locker is probably going to end up right next to Alex Kappa. Mm-hmm. Small school dude from Humboldt State. Made a, made his own name. I mean, granted, he was a third-round pick or whatever, but still, you know, guy who was small school, grinding, glass-eating, about the right stuff being the difference in, in him becoming a real player in this league. Hey, Cordell Volson, go learn everything from Alex Kappa because he did everything that you can do if you do it the right way. You guys are the... Cut from the same cloth, man. And if you could have Kappa at one guard and Kappa Jr. at the other guard, <laughs> I think that's how you envision. They both got red hair too. I mean, come on. <laughs> how could it not work out that way? But I, I, I can buy that vision a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm not going to call it my least favorite, but it does feel reachy mm-hmm. um, to me. And for that fact, I would probably say Carter too. It feels like they pigeonholed themselves to we want this. And rather than opening it up to a little bit like, yeah, but isn't Perry on Winfrey going to be a better player, yeah. even if he's more of a pure three technique than, than, and we'll see. It, it'll be fun to track those two careers as they go by as Winfrey yeah. went right off the board. And you could maybe say the same thing about Dax Hill, who Logan Hall goes, right off the board two picks later and and was also in the conversation. They felt like it was probably a little rich for Hall there. But, you know, that – those kind of – that stands out to me that maybe they felt they got a little too obsessed with finding that hybrid player and less with just find a defensive lineman that can come in there and play for you. Um, Biggest surprise of the weekend – I, I guess that they didn't take a wide receiver it, or wide receiver slash punt returner. It, it just, it, it felt like that was going to be the, the main target on offense, maybe even ahead of a offensive lineman. Um, again, it comes down to losing those picks. Um, I just, I, I wonder what they can do in undrafted free agency. Cause they're, that's where they're going to have to find these guys. And every time, Every free undrafted free agent that's come in here ever that we've talked to, why'd you pick the Bengals? What's, what do they always say? Opportunity. You've got three elite starters here. How many wide receivers? Now, yeah, there's, you, you need six or seven, and the depth is going to be there, and maybe that's enticing to, to play under those guys and, and learn from them, but I don't know. I, it, it just feels like it's going to be a tougher sell to go get wide receivers to come here. Maybe not. Maybe Joe, they say, yeah, I'll catch passes from Joe Burrow. Even if it's in practice, you know, eventually I'm going to get my shot. But I, I, I was surprised that there was not a receiver slash punt returner as part of this class. Yeah, I was too. And I would throw a tight end there. Yeah. I mean, I thought that we would see, and I think they had their eyes on all of that. I mean, I think there were, there were guys that they liked that went off right in front of them. I thought, I think those, I think, the, the reachiness of those middle rounds was in a lot of ways because I think a lot of the guys they had their eyes on got plucked off right in front of them and they just kind of went, but look, this is the next on our board. Maybe we didn't think, maybe we thought we could get him later, but he really is next on our board because it just, man, guys just kept getting plucked off right in front of them. And a lot of that was 
some of the receivers and tight ends I think that they liked a lot. Yeah. Um, it ended up going off in front of them, and, and that's part of drafting 31st is, is you, you end up with frustrating rounds mm. and uh, not maybe checking the boxes you want. I'll be interested to see if the reevaluation of everything coming out of this is – Let's revisit some free agents that are out there, veterans, not undrafted college free agents, and see maybe that's where you find a receiver who's out there, or maybe there's yeah. a tight end that's sitting out there that you can come that could come in for one year and and be number four or five um, for you. Um, we'll we'll see if that's a direction that they go, but I do think that's out there. Uh, let's 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 kind of move on from that and bring you some of the. The interviews and, and some of the moments from this week. We're going to start off. We got six of them here. I'm going to start off. Uh, this was from our press conference with Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo, uh, on Friday. Uh, they had a couple really interesting things to say as we talk about Cam Taylor Britt and the comparison to Stanley Morgan, uh, who's here now. And as Joe Burrow said, everyone's favorite teammate. Uh, he said that during the year because of the way he practices the ultimate ball loving, hard working, undrafted, you know, process embracing guy. I thought there's some interesting things there, as well as Luana Rumo talking about what he is looking for in these corners, and, and it's relevant as they end up taking three DBs in this draft. Do you have any connections there, background and culture at Nebraska? <laughs> we talked to quite a few people, you know, and, and you know, he, he's oftentimes been compared to Stanley in terms of how he is on the practice field, in terms of uh, kind of the character and the makeup and the energy, and I think that paints a picture for all of us, so, so that's a good thing. What makes Stanley such a good uh, practice player? Uh, like Lou just said, same guy every day. You know, you know what you're going to get when Stanley walks on the field every day. He's going to bring energy and competitiveness. And however many days he's been here, he has done those two things every single day. And so when you hear that comparison of, of this is what he's going to be like at practice, that's a great thing. You know, that's that's what we love. We love guys that bring energy and and because uh, it's a long season, you know, and that's a hard thing to do. And so the more guys that can bring that, the better the team becomes the more fun practices for you guys to sit there and watch that first however many minutes and, and for us to be a part of all year. And, and uh, so that, that's a really positive thing. Lou, with your experience as a DB's coach, in your system specifically, what is the one trait you would say to play outside is the most important in your system? Yeah, I think uh, I would say there's a couple, but uh, at the top of it, you know, we, they, they have to be able to run, obviously. Uh, but I'm also a big fan of guys with, you know, long arms and able to get in and out of plays um, you know, so th- those two things play into it, um, and then you know, ball skills and on from there. But uh, they got to be able to run, and they, and you know, the length also helps them be good tacklers when they have that. So um, that's why I'm so uh, adamant about that when it when it kind of comes up. You got your top five defensive backs back, but you've used your top two picks on defensive backs. What does that say about? The need for depth at that part of the team and, and the state of the game right now. How critical it is, you know, as a, as a 17 game season goes on and you go into the playoffs, um, that depth is critical. You know, how many teams do we see that, you know, come in December in these critical games and they're down, you know, a couple DBs and and they're they're pulling guys off the practice squad. And so I think it's it's great competitiveness, like Lou mentioned, just for all of our guys. Um, but but you're going to need that depth of the course of, of the long seasons that we're going to have to endure. You know, kind of just to follow up on that question with, with uh, and Zach's answer is you know, we play so many different things where there's going to be six and sometimes seven DBs out on the field at one time. No other position on the field, offense or defense, is going to do that. So it's just so critical to have uh, you know depth there for sure in, in today's NFL. Yeah, we, we knew uh, that – Luan Rumo liked guys with long arms, but I thought it was was interesting. I I am adamant about that. I'm you're gonna hear that from me. I want guys with long arms, yeah. helps them tackle, helps them break up passes, uh, all that stuff. And how imperative interesting before they took the two more DBs, how imperative depth at DB is, I thought was an interesting thing. Uh, I want to go on. I had a conversation with Robert Livingston, safety's coach, who went into getting two new additions to his room. We talked about a bunch of stuff, but here's a cut up of a smaller piece of it. Kind of some focus on Dax. Hill and moving around and maybe the ability to play outside corner down the line. So we talked 
talked about when you really look at his physical profile, you know, uh, he's tall, he's long, he runs a four, three, eight, he can cover, um, some interesting stuff there about, you know, no, he hasn't done it, but he also sort of has and exactly kind of maybe that, what that could look like, uh, going forward. Here's myself with, uh, Bengals safeties coach, Robert Livingston. What, did, what stood out to you on the tape from Dax? I mean, is it just, um, I mean, we know about the versatility, but yeah. are there plays or games that kind of really stood out to you? That- uh, I think in terms of games, the best game was probably Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you can see him do a lot of different things. You know, you can see him play corner. You can see him play nickel. You can see him play safety. Um, and that's kind of the way the league's going, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not lie to each other. I think every breaking news you hear is like, another receiver was traded. You know, like, <laughs> what's going on? A tight end. Darren Waller. Going yeah. For, uh, right? You better, have, so, you better have a lot of people. Yeah. There. So I think um, that was a great look and, and just, you know, play, st- play speed, play style. Um, obviously, Coach McDonald was the defense coordinator there. He's in Baltimore now. So he's had that kind of NFL system. And um, not to say what they were doing before was bad. It was just, you know, it's different. It's a lot more complex and all that stuff. So um, that part was good. And, and obviously, this is just uh, the beginning. You know, you come in and kind of see what you got. Obviously, Zach and Lewis said their piece about what we're going to do and, and just see what we can do. Again, I think um, – from a deep defensive perspective, the, the more guys that you have that can do multiple things, if, if you're the quarterback or the offensive coordinator looking over there and, um, you know, this guy, when he lines up at two, he always plays man or blitzes. Well, now we can do different things. And yeah. Obviously, being a young player, you know, you got to earn your stripes and all that kind of stuff. So um, it'll be exciting to, to get him in the group, obviously, with, with Vaughn and Jess yeah. and, and Brandon and Mike Thomas and Trayvon Henderson and, um, and kind of go from there. Just because I don't really know this, I mean, physically, mm-hmm. like his numbers look like an outside corner, like yeah. six foot, long arms, for sure, one ninety, whatever, four yeah. three eight. Like yeah. he's obviously not done it. I mean, is that something that's easily like how hard of a transfer would that be to? Is that something you just say in OTAs? Like, uh, oh, go try that. Yeah, I See, think. Or uh, I mean, that's, it's obviously much harder than that. Yeah, but I mean, sure. like, how natural of a progression could that be from somebody to just pop out there that played nickel for the whole? Yeah. Um, I think it's the hardest position on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, playing outside the numbers. I mean, it is uh, judgment day every play. <laughs> uh, so you got to have a, a, a real skill set. And, and we'll just see. Again, um, you could argue with, with the college hashes being as wide as they are. And let's say the ball's on the defense's left hash and the slot is two yards from the college numbers. Well, dude, that's just about an outside yeah. uh, player in the NFL, you know, with yeah. the ball always in the middle of the field. Um, so there are things you look at. And um, that's the beauty of the spring is, uh, you know, hey, today, let's do this. Hey, today, let's do that. Yeah. You never lose a game. You go home. You get to see your kids. <laughs> you're in a good mood. Um, so it's that's the, the beauty of the spring is, um, hey, let's try this. And, and it goes from players to, you know, we'll talk about it all the time. Like, hey, dude, let's work on this technique today. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, these are the things we're focusing on individually. You know, we'll give these guys, hey, let's work on these five things, you know, this spring. I really found it the interesting conversation about the hash marks and about how when, when in college with the wide hashes, when you're on one hash and technically the slot guys on the outside of the other hash, you're basically on the Island. It's like an outside corner. It's the same type of stuff. And he's done a ton of that and obviously looked good doing. I think that per, uh, piqued everybody's interest a little bit um, inside the Bengals. Like we said earlier, though, Dax Hill is going to be very fun to see what this plan exactly is, as you heard Robert allude to. They've got their plan. (laughs) What that plan exactly is for what it's going to look like, uh, exciting thing to see. All right, let's just take a quick break. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a... mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. 
Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go. Second round pick Cam Taylor Britt talked about him as one of the favorites. Uh, we joked around about how, you know, people just, you lo- love this guy's personality, all juice, first team, uh, all that stuff. Here's uh, some of his interview after he got picked on the conference call with us. It, that laugh is what gets me every time, Jay. It's just the happiness and the giddiness yep. and the excitement uh, in the laugh. It, it, but and, and so much other good stuff in here. Here's uh, our some of our, our conference call with Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor Britt. Congratulations, Cam. What was your reaction to being and getting that call from Cincinnati? Man, honestly, man, I was just so excited I couldn't even say any words. <laughs> 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 well, it was definitely, man. It was just a dream come true. You could say uh, my visit there was amazing. Uh, you know, just to even get picked up by a team, especially the Bengals, is you know surreal to me right now. And even though Coach, you know Zach, he played at the that the the great university in Nebraska, man, it makes it even better. What take me through your visit here? What what made it so amazing for for you coming in here? And what what was that connection like? Honestly, man, the staff is great. Uh, everybody on the staff, I can say. Uh, even from when I got to the airport for, you know, through communication of me getting from place to place, uh, they were on time with everything and, you know, just very, you know, professional, you could say, with everything they do. And I really got along with that DB coach, man. We had a, you know, a great time in there. We were just kicking it, not even talking about football. And, you know, we ran out of time. But, you know, that's the type of conversation that you want to have with coaches and have that, you know, relationship. So did you kind of leave feeling like, man, I feel like I might end up at Cincinnati that day? <laughs> it's crazy because I did. <laughs> Cam, did you tell anybody that you thought that maybe you'd end up with the Bengals after the visit went <laughs> I was not, not at all, man. I didn't. Uh, I kind of kept it to myself. I told my agent, you know, he, you know, marked down some things. But other than that, no, I didn't. Cam, one thing that the coaches brought up is how you coming here can bring the or raise the competitiveness level up in the cornerback room. What kind of competitor are you? Honestly, man, I just want to be first. <laughs> and that's in everything I do. I don't care if we're playing, you know, badminton or, you know, tennis, soccer. I, I don't know. You know, any sport possible. I always want to be first. And I promise you that once I come in there and get in that deep room, they'll feel my presence. You know, just because I'm a competitor, dog. I love it. You know, you say I can't do something, I'll show you that I can. And it's always been like that. Do you know Daxton Hill at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he played in Michigan. Well, we played, we played him a couple of years, so I was at uh, Nebraska. Do you have any a relationship with him by chance? I want to say not not too much, but we will most definitely. I tell you that. <laughs> you uh, you both ran a four three eight forty yard dash. So yes, think, sir. You think there's a, a race in the future of the two two top picks? We can make that happen. <laughs> I told you I'm a competitor, man. I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> so as a competitor, how much do you look forward to uh, practicing against Jamar Chase and T Higgins? That was the first thing I thought about. I can't wait. <laughs> Honestly, man, like I said, like Coach said, I, you know, I bring the juice at practice, and it's just like the game. And you feel me? Like just going against those top receivers like that and just helping my game so much to where, you know, guarding other receivers won't be as hard. Uh, I can't wait to get out there and, you know, actually you know, get to practice in one-on-ones with those guys. Sounds like you've had a smile on your face since you got that – phone call from the Bengals is is that the case are you on cloud nine 
Man, it is the case. I've been smiling since I've been on the phone with you guys, too, man. <laughs> I promise you, ever since I saw the area code and the, and the you know, the city and state, I was, you know, very excited, man. Cam, did you, did, okay. you know, did you know Stanley Morgan at all? Oh, yeah, that's my big bro, man. He actually, uh, we, he kind of brought me in as a DV. Uh, when he was playing receiver at Nebraska, I always tried to go against him. You know, just being, like I said, the competitor that I am at. I promise you, if you, you ask him and do an interview, he'll tell you that. I was always the first one to try to, you know, knock out Stanley Morgan just because he was a superstar on the team. But, you know, I just had to solidify myself and show them that this freshman wasn't afraid to come in and, you know, work. Coaches kind of said that, you know, Stanley is a pretty beloved teammate here for the way he practices and stuff. Did that did he kind yes, of set the, set the pace for you there at Nebraska where you saw the way he brought it every day and it was kind of something that you followed? Most definitely, you could say that. Uh, that was someone I actually looked up to, even though he was on the offensive side. But as a leader and just some per- as a person that, you know, never see quit, uh, it doesn't matter what he went through. Um, family-wise, you know, school-wise, football-wise, it didn't matter all that outside stuff. Once he stepped on that field, he was a problem. And that's a problem he didn't want to deal with. <laughs> Your head coach is a Nebraska Hall of Famer. Do you have yes, Do you have any knowledge of Zach Taylor's career as a quarterback for the Cornhuskers? I kind of do, I can say. He made sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> what did he share? Not as well, he was probably one of the best quarterbacks to come through Nebraska. <laughs> just love Zach Taylor made sure I knew that. Coach made sure I knew that. I just love, I mean, it's just, it's too good. It's too good. Um, and who wouldn't want to come and cut your teeth against T and Jamar and Tyler yeah. Boyd? And, and, and that can really go a long way to help improve your game and make you a better player and, and, you know, acknowledging where his faults are, what he's working so hard to get better, even throughout the pre-draft process. You just love everything about, uh, are we going to call him CTB? Are we comfortable? We're going to do that. Uh, I'm going to tweet him that it's yeah. way easier. <laughs> it's way easier to tweet it. I think we'll do that. Uh, all right. So Frank Pollock made famous the term glass eaters recently. And it spawned a whole thing that we have heavily leaned into without question. Well, kind of a, a new one came out of t- this today. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'm just going to – it was a, based around the pick of Cordell Volson and the type of person he is and the way that he plays out there and – well, let's just bring Frank Pollock explaining a little something about having shit in your neck. You've talked a lot about his intangibles. Have you seen the intangible side of the draft uh, stress more in the types of players you guys add in yeah, Bengals compared to others? Yeah, for me, that's like line one, if you know, line two, at worst, line three in my room. I mean, you got to have guys that have intangibles, the work ethic, you know, what are they made of? What's their mental toughness, their grit? Can they learn? Can they process fast, you know, with the way that we run our scheme on offense? The defense is going to move and shift. We're going to invite them to do that with our motions that we utilize. So you got to be able to think like this, react, adjust, and then go play fast. And then so all that is it goes into the makeup. You know, we're not just showing them a card and go block that guy. There's a lot of guys who excel at that, but once the it goes live, the picture starts changing on them, you know, their, their play goes down. Uh so that's huge to me. And when a guy needs to develop, he's not going to develop to the maximum ability if he doesn't have all those intangibles. I mean, this league is a son of a you-know-what. And to make it, you got to have some you-know-what in your neck. you got to have some grit, or you're not going to make it. I mean, I, I, I've been in this a long time as a player, a horrible player, <laughs> but as a, and as a coach, okay, and there was guys that you see come and go that are so talented and got their off-the-charts measurables, and you're like, man, how come that guy didn't make it? He was, you know, he, he was in the league for two or three years. It's because he don't have the other stuff. That, to me, and the old, I'm just talking offensive line play. It's critical. It's critical. If you don't have that, you got no chance. I don't care how big you, you are, how pretty you look, how fast you run. You know, none of that matters if you don't have a little shit in your neck. And I'll go ahead and say it. That's just the reality of it. How do you gauge that? Does it show up on film? Is it through Zoom? It shows on film. It shows when you when you talk with them and you and you and you ask some questions. Uh, there there's some assessment 
personality assessment exams that a lot of teams utilize, the league utilizes, that we have access to, that kind of exposes that and leads you to, hey, I need to dig into this area a little bit more. Uh, you talk to their position coaches or other coaches on staff at their colleges. I mean, that that's that's how you, you find out. I mean, and then, I mean, you don't know really to the very end until you actually get him here, right? But you you do your best assessment on all those areas to find out what's this guy made of, what's, you know, what's, can he overcome adversity and all that kind of stuff. How telltale sign finishing plays finished? That's a huge part of it, right? Does he love ball, right? Is he is he a strainer, right? Or is he just kind of throttle down and relax, right? At the end of the play, you know, you know, you know as good as anyone went lap, what that's all about. So absolutely, absolutely, this guy. this guy finishes. He finishes. He's physical. He fizzled. Uh, put on that Montana State game. You'll see him finishing guys. So he's he's what you're looking for in a young player like that. Just to circle back real quick, what does it mean to have a little, you know, what in your neck? What do you mean by that? I mean, I think it's self-explanatory, you know? I mean, have you seen the D-lineman we have to go against every day? <laughs> right? I mean, you got to have a little something in your neck to – give them a little shove at the end of the block, not let them give you the shove, you know? Um, like, I mean, maybe I just reflected my own experience because I wasn't a very good player, how hard it was to play in this league. And it's just, it's hard. And it's you're going to have to overcome some adversity and work through some ups and downs. And a lot of these kids have never faced that. So how are you going to handle it when it hits you right in the mouth, right? Nobody cares where you came from and what your college career was or or I was a whatever they call it five-star recruit whatever the hell no, no one gets a shit doesn't matter you're playing against grown-ass men you're trying to take their job these guys are married with kids they don't care if you're some hot shot 22 year old you know what I mean and to me as a coach I feel like it's my obligation to kind of promote that you know because the men in the room that I coach now have earned the right so the new kid coming in He's got to earn the right to be in the room and compete with those guys. So I've seen a lot of guys can't handle the business side. It's This is the best business in the world, and it's the ugliest, nastiest, coldest business in the world. It is what it is. Get over it. Here's a tissue. Go cry in the corner, and let's go. You know what I mean? If you can't handle that, you're not going to last. And I remember back in my years, I mean, laugh, you probably had guys that come through the locker room back in your day that, they couldn't handle that. And they were talented guys, but they just couldn't handle the the business. I mean, North Dallas 40 had a great scene in there about when you call it, I call it a game, you call it a business. And when I call it a business, you call it a game, you know? And I like sharing that scene with my guys because it's both. And you got to understand it and deal with it and move on. So it is what it is. All right, you guys have listened to that once. I, I think you should go back and listen again because it, when he's – that, that whole conversation about attitude and what it takes to be a, a player in this league, he's looking at us. He's talking to us, but you can almost see and hear him addressing Jackson Carmen as opposed <laughs> to us. It was almost, yeah. it, it, was, it was as much talking about Volson as it was Jackson Carmen. Whether that was his intent or not, maybe it was, but it, it felt very pointed. It, yes, he was answering the questions and he was explaining what we were asking him, but it, 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 it felt like he was sending a message. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you don't have that in you, can you get it? Is it innate? Is, the, I mean, can, can Jackson Carmen flip that switch? Because if he can, you said it. He's got he's got the skills. He's he's got the physical traits more so most, more so than Volson. But if if he can't, it's Volson's going to win that job. He's already got that. That's not going away, and it's going to be. Really interesting to see in training camp if if it's if, if Jackson Carmen doesn't come in here with some shit in his neck. <laughs> I just can't. This is gonna be a thing. I love I, just, I love the way he, he tried not to say it, and then he's yeah, like, "Well, I'm just gonna say I'm it. just gonna say it." You know what? I mean, it just we're not. I'm just not sure how the shit got there. Like, how did it get in in 
it's in there. Like, are you are you playing mad because it's in there, and you just you're just kind of in a bad mood because of that, and it tastes bad? Like, what? It's it's a very hard analogy <laughs> to try to follow all the way to. I hope it's not based in any kind of reality. I, I'm not quite sure. I, I think philosophically, it's. It got there because of that guy standing in front of you, and you better go kick his ass because of it. That's what it all comes down to. <laughs> that guy right there put shit in my neck. <laughs> now I've got to take him out. Uh, so Frank Pollock is just a joy. He's just a joy. He's fantastic to talk to. It was so great that we got to get him at least once uh, this weekend to give us uh, that. And uh, if you don't like listening to all these clips, you, here's a tissue. Go cry in the corner, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to um, – Lou Anarumo came down and we were talking about Tyson Anderson. And he talked about a clip of basically his favorite play of the year. And that he shows to everybody uh, that comes through. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was interesting. And it made me want to go back and watch uh, that play and, and rethink about the entire Tennessee game. Here's Luana Rumo um, talking about his favorite play. You know, again, all these guys that come out, um, it, 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 they're always going to have uh, a little bit of a learning curve when it comes to all of it, especially tackling. You know, every time they come in, my room on these 30 visits, what I do is I sit down and I show them one of the biggest plays of the year in my book was it's um, it's uh, first and 10. Uh, Tennessee gets the ball back with about two minutes and 30 seconds left in the divisional game. Um, they've got two timeouts where the game's tied. So to me, the, the playbook is open for them. Okay, they, It's not necessarily two-minute. They run the ball on the perimeter with Derrick Henry, and it's Cheeto and Derrick Henry, one-on-one. And we've all seen what that looks like for most corners in this league. You know, he's made highlights of it. Well, Cheeto knocks the stiff arm down, and it's second and seven, and that leads to what ended up being the interception. If he doesn't make that tackle, it's probably a 20-yard run before Jesse can ever get over there because it was everybody was kind of pinned. Um, so I tell, I show those guys that immediately. Okay, so this is the NFL. You're going to be in one on one with guys like this, and you have to get them on the ground. It's like a base hit in baseball. I don't care if it's a dribbler through the right side because they shifted to the left. It goes down as a hit. Get them on the ground. Um, and these guys will have to learn that that um, it's not going to be a knockout hit. You want to be a singles hitter as a as a tackle, not a home run hitter. Did he visit? Did, he, did you bring him in? No, I wasn't able to get him on that, but uh, he will when he gets here. <laughs> he will see it. That's one of my favorite five minutes of my time with the guys. I like that not just because it's a great story and insight on his view of the season, but I do think it goes a long way to what they look for in their corners. Mm-hmm. Like they do not, you know, we we hear a lot, and PFF talks a lot about this, about it, Tackling with corners is, is, is whatever. It's about cover. You need to be able to cover. That's all that matters. They really have just not viewed it. They really care so much about tackling in space. And those guys, even Trey Waynes, who was whatever. I mean, that was part of his DNA when they signed him to that kind was he's a guy that's going to get in there and not afraid to tackle, going to be aggressive, going to come up. You know, and you, you just see so much of teams putting – DBs in challenging positions in space to have to make tackles against yak athletes and running backs and things like that, that they, he just really values that. And I thought that story and the fact that that's his favorite thing, uh, favorite five minutes to spend with people that come <laughs> through here, I think is very telling about his view of defensive back play. Yeah. If you remember also in that game, it was a play Deontay Foreman broke one for a 40-some yards. Mm-hmm. And I, was it Hilton that chased him down chased and tackled? Down. And then the very next play, Hilton bats the ball up and intercepts it. Again, a, a cornerback making a tackle um, in a key spot that, I mean, essentially wins you the game. Yeah. Last last up. You guys lied. I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. It's all right. good. We're recording. It's all good. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. I'm sure it was a great draft. Now the player's lot because of the blind pick. Ah, take it easy. Scouts have a good week. (laughs) You know, it's it's a good uh, it's a good time to be a to be a scout and uh, and look at this class they worked for. Best beer of the year coming 
coming right there. Oh, yeah, you got his first round pick. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, Andrew Johnson walking by here as he goes to his car. Um, let's uh, last one. Tyson Anderson uh, on the conference call with us. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about you know him being a captain and leadership. I, I was kind of asked him about Dane Brugler had him listed as a two time captain. Dane's not going to like this. <laughs> now I don't know if this is true. He claims. Uh, that that's different. And I thought it was another good uh, insight piece of information into the type of guy that Tyson Anderson. Here's a, here's Anderson on conference call with us. Do you view your speed as your biggest strength or is, do you see your biggest strength as something else? Uh, I think my biggest strength, honestly, is my, like my intelligence, my football IQ. That's my biggest strength. My smarts, my smarts and ability to adapt on the fly and just learn fast. I saw you're a two-time captain. How do they elect those? Is that like your players, teammates elect that, or do coaches name name those? So, uh, yeah, I'm a three-time captain actually. So uh, it's a, it's a player 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 elected thing every time. So every year we go around vote vote who the captains are on the team. What did that? I mean, what did that mean to you? Three-time captain. I mean, that's pretty rare. No, yeah, I mean, it means a lot. A lot of my UT my UT bros is out here. Right now, so I mean, it just means a lot to me. I mean, these are dudes we've been grinding with. I've been grinding with these dudes the last four or five years, and just to see this love and support that they showing today. But I mean, they my. I just, I just take take it serious. To be honest, I just, I know I'm a leader. I know my voice needs to be heard, and I know I, when I stand up and say something, it's gonna be the right thing. And I'm just excited to be honest. <laughs> There's Tyson Anderson, three time captain uh at toledo and you know i'm a leader and people need to hear my voice and you know that's just the type of stuff uh that the Bengals just just love it's like listening to a choir sing to them they just they can't get enough of it uh so there it is there's kind of some of the some of the best of of 72 hours down here at pbs and uh, a new class of Bengals, six players um that they hope are going to make a very big difference and honestly they hope will be the foundation of the future of this defense essentially um and, and we'll see how it all plays out as a whole i you know it, it was a, a little different than I thought it would be in, in that how heavy it ended up going on defense at the end of the day. We knew it would be heavy on defense, but, um, at the end of the day, it also, it, it checked most of their most important boxes off. Um, and you know, you gotta, you gotta feel good about the state of this team right now, depth wise. Um, they're as certainly as deep as they've ever been since Zach Taylor has been here, uh, personality wise, culture wise, athlete wise. Um, it, it, I thought it was a successful weekend, uh, for a number of different reasons. It, it is not out of the question that this draft class, maybe there won't be a single game started by this group and it could still go down as a great draft class. I mean, none of they, the Bengals are returning 10 of 11 starters on defense, and, and B.J. Hill is sliding in to replace Larry Oak and Joby. There's no spark starting jobs available. Yeah, there's probably going to be some injuries along the line, and these guys are going to fill in, but it, there's no guarantee for that. It, but all these guys are going to play. It, 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 it feels, even though it's not a Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, plug-and-play rookie kind of thing, that this is this is going to be a really really good draft class, and of course draft classes are graded beyond that rookie year too. Like you said, these guys are going to be the core of this defense for years to come. But I just I, I know we did a couple pods ago that they run passer boot on number of games started by this draft class, and you went low, I went middle, and uh, I'm feeling better about your pick now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you have less players to choose from. Uh, all right. Um, Thanks to everybody. I hope you guys have enjoyed the content. There's plenty more uh, up on the site from today. Uh, analysis and stories coming your way. Depth charts uh, will be up Monday, and uh, the team starts showing up again. We'll ha- we'll have an availability actually uh, here on Tuesday, and we're into the off season program for the next six weeks. For once a week, basically, we'll be in here talking to some players, coaches, open locker rooms. Uh, got to stand in the locker room again for the first time yeah. since before the pandemic. It's uh, very nice to be back in there, and uh, we went right back to our do nothing, uh, do gags and tell jokes story uh, circle right in the middle of the lie, just like old days while we waited for Daxton Hill to uh, get done with his interview. 
So it was a, a very fun week down here. Uh, I enjoy the draft every year. I've enjoyed the run up. I hope you guys have too. And, uh, now next stop is talking about real football. It's excited to do that again. Um, Thanks to everybody for following along uh, and, and participating in live rooms. Remember, live room on Monday, and, and we'll have that. Keep an eye out for when that will be. We, we're thinking it's going to be in a lunch hour uh, on Monday. And then Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at 50 West Brewing Company, myself, Jay, and Bengals Director of College Scouting, Mike Potts, will be down there talking about this draft hall that the Bengals put together this year. So listen, you can come on down, have some drinks, ask us some questions afterwards, and uh, all the insight on the Bengals draft class with Mike, who's awesome. Uh, love talking to Potsy after the draft to get the kind of the real insides view on on how everything went, dating really all the way back to the middle of last college football season. So should be a really, really fun event. Looking forward to that. So hopefully we'll see you down there. Until then, it's time for the best beer of the year, Jay. Maybe two or three. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.